welcome to the Bristol Bath Lifting Club. We have for you a special, special someone. For those that are already on the Patreon, then they'll already be familiar with the fabulous Baker Boy. But here he is, back again. And you're not, you don't even have like a, you, you, this is before the watershed, so. Pre-watershed, I've got to be on best behaviour. You've got to be on your best behaviour. So we'll start with stuff that, you know, can't really go wrong. Yeah. Right? Or I would hope it wouldn't. And then we'll start to talk about, you know, cocaine and that later. Yeah, because we all had perfect childhoods, didn't we? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're here. So, I suppose the, the simplest question I could ask you is, why do you lift? Why do you go to the gym? Aside from the fact that it's, you know, you have to go to the gym to do your job. Because you work here. Yeah, so I, I think there's two reasons and there's not even an A and a B. They're kind of mutually exclusive, big word. A, to be healthy when I'm old. Right. And B, to look good naked now. Right. So when we were designing, because we've started training together a bit, when, we, when I designed a program for us both to do, the only thing that you specified was that it's all to do with looking good naked and it needs to involve some sort of curl. Yeah. Right? The nuts so, and bolts. So does, so does this, uh, you know, long-term training for when you're old, is that the reason why you've started doing squats again or, or what? I think mainly it's a combination of you, Mark, people on my Instagram calling right. me a bitch. <laughs> I think I didn't call you a bitch. I said you train like a bitch. There's yeah. a big difference there. No, I, I took it in a good way though because... Yeah. It's just too easy to use cables and machines yeah. and dumbbells. And not yeah. dumbbells are good, but yeah, there's something about the barbell where it's like you go to war with it. Mm. And I'm not a pacifist, but when it comes to the barbell, I do kind of shirk it a lot. Right. Okay. So thanks. So honestly, you're more than welcome. You're more than welcome. We had a good training session today. We did a load of leg stuff and they even involved... You know, some machines like the leg press and that. It wasn't all just squat variations. Yeah, and we ended on... Bicep curls with yeah, the easy bar, <laughs> which doesn't make it any more easy. No. You completely beat me at them. Yeah. Right, so what about back in the day then? So when did you first start actually lifting? Was it like kid in a room doing push-ups or is your first kind of actual experiences lifting going to a proper gym? No, so it's kind of like an anime film where it's like I was a really small, weak child. Right. I wouldn't say I was bullied terribly, but things got a bit worse into my teenage years, and I was really small. So then I was like, I used to watch wrestling, which is kind of this homoerotic dance, kind of. essentially, isn't it? With these greased-up 250-pound men with tattoos. So I probably got some issues from watching a lot of that. Right. But but one of the (laughs) things I did notice was, like, I wanted to be sort of that sort of big when I was older. And I knew nothing about nutrition, knew nothing about training. We're not that old, but this is kind of pre-internet fitness community. Yeah. And certainly pre-having a computer or a laptop, because my Mm. family weren't very rich. So when I was about probably 15-ish, I I managed to get on YouTube, and there's a guy called Mike Chang. Oh, is that six-pack shortcuts yeah, guy? Yeah, oh, so... Oh, my gosh. Did you fall for that, did so you? So this... Well, I never, <laughs> I never bought anything, but this right. must have been about 2009, maybe. Yeah. So I basically just watched his videos, and he would basically do workouts just with dumbbells. But because I knew nothing about what weights you need to use... Yeah. 
my mum went and bought me one kilogram dumbbells. Oh. And for about a year, I would do six hour training sessions. <laughs> I would probably do thousands of curls and squats because it, it was, yeah. even for how big I was, it was kind of light. Yeah. So I would just be training for like five, six hours, not even eating more food, mm. just going through the motions of training. Right. And eventually I went up to two kilo, then four kilo, but I think think i just had one four kilo dumbbell okay so that wasn't that helpful yeah <laughs> when did you get to the stage where you actually felt like oh actually i think i know what i'm doing now and i'm getting some results and stuff so i remember when i was about 17 at school i was slightly less skinny and then some guys they sort of come up to you and go oh, looking big today boss or something like uh, that yeah that was that was when i upgraded to the adjustable dumbbells okay so they're kind of like mini barbells and you put the plates yeah. on you you know put the clips on and with those i could go to probably about 23 kilos yeah, no, just about 20 something and if i went to the 24 kilo mark yeah. the clips would be hanging off and i'd right. be risking death yeah yeah and as you move them around the, the clips because they were the ones which you twist on presumably yeah, yeah so they start to yeah move. and i had a couple of different sets and if i used yeah. the wrong ones on they just yeah. wouldn't stay I've got a memory of doing bench press on an ottoman. Is that where you put shoes? Yeah. On an ottoman, doing bench press with 23 kilos. And my dad comes home from work and he just, he walks past the door. So I've got the weights basically over my face and he mm. just starts banging on the door. Right. Like just as a joke. Yeah. And I almost dropped on my freaking head. Oh. Yeah. But I never really got into a gym till I was probably... 19 like okay at so least 19 what made what was it that made you go to the gym like why did you sign up was it like a free trial did you finally think right i'm going to do this properly now what was that Can that you was remember? when i went to uni right and it was kind of like just something to do obviously didn't take weights with me because yeah. if you're in student accommodation i had like a a chinese guy next door just mm. shouting down his phone at 4 a.m every right. day yeah so yeah gym it was a not a good gym but there's something good about you know your first gym membership yeah you pay your 30 quid a month whatever you just turn up you yeah. don't know what anything does yeah and you, you basically just look at the dumbbells and think right how heavy can i go on yeah. bench how heavy can i go on curl mm. yeah okay. good That's times cool. do you remember what the name of the gym was so you're gonna it, give them a shout out <laughs> i can't really remember much about it it was just like a shitty uni one right but i know after about Maybe that same year, then I upgraded to Pure Gym with some of my friends there. Wow, you're calling Pure Gym not And that, that's when the training <laughs> just went through the roof. Yeah. <laughs> then you worked your way up to the 30 kilo dumbbells. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so what does your training look like back then compared to now? What have you learned? What have you not learned? Because there'll be most of the people that are probably listening to this, if they're beginners, they'll be essentially like you. 10 years ago they're not necessarily going to know but they're smart enough to turn on some sort of weight training lifting podcast to try and soak up some information yeah and you you've come to the right place yeah so don't go to mike chan come to us yeah to be honest my training back then is probably this not too dissimilar to what it's been the last since really right i mean i've obviously got more knowledge yeah the weights have gone up but I've never been too structured with my training. I imagine it would have been kind of bro splits. Yeah. Maybe I eventually got into like a sort of push-pull leg, that mm. sort of thing. But yeah, I never had a coach. 
Did you ever was, write things down though? That, Are that's you my guilty of not writing things down? Things were not written down. Right. Because we have memory. Yeah. And that was my thought. <laughs> that's terrible. I mean, it's one of those super simple things that everyone, like every coach says have a training program write it down even if you are literally just writing down what you've done at least that is a record because so much information you can kind of glean from what you're failing at or how you know the sort of information that comes out of it's seeing it down there on paper even if you still remember it is a little bit different i think i think the reason i never really tracked anything is because when i was at school i was like really in good shape like athletically mm-hmm. so i'd be doing like long distance running yeah i'd be doing sprints so when i was strength training i was like well if i just try and get heavier and lift weights yeah. that it wasn't a strength goal it was just a general like get bigger mm. so i think it's easier to sort of drift with that goal because yeah. if you're powerlifting, you have to track the numbers yeah. if you're just bodybuilding but not particularly recreational yeah then that's what most guys do and it's kind of easy to get lost also i think i was i'd say my mum molly coddled me as a child right so i kind of and i was a bit artistic as well so i kind of went through a rebellious phase when i was a teenager what with poster pinks yeah (laughs) and so i think part of my thing as well was like not that i wasn't going to try anything but the sort of the idea of like tracking my workouts mm. that would not have come for a long time right I, I was just so unorganized so i was like yeah i'm just going to do this okay so obviously you've worked as a personal trainer for a while yeah so how does the way you train yourself differ to how you've trained clients because there's an age-old thing of saying do as i say not as i do and i think we're yeah. all guilty of that sometimes i've heard that yeah on more than one occasion, no doubt. <laughs> <From you. laughs> but how, if you were to have a client, you would probably be telling them, or you'd be giving them some sort of training program or something like that and telling them to track what's going on. So why is it that we end up sometimes not, you know, basically being guilty of not doing that ourselves? Because I've spoken to other people that work here and they don't necessarily do that. And they know they should, but they don't do it. Yeah, I think it's like, it's like if you went to a restaurant and mm. there's a chef who's pumping out really good food. Yeah. In his break, he's probably like got a microwave meal in the corner. Yeah. Because it, it takes a back seat. Right. And I think professionally, you care about other people more than yourself. Well, you care about your reputation, but... I'm not so sure about that. I mean, I've seen a number of personal trainers in Pure Gym. I've spoken to numerous... <laughs> Uh, clients that I've had and I don't think that a lot of personal trainers really could give two shits about their clients Um, and I can tell that based on the amount of stories I get of and it is normally guys um, someone hiring a male personal trainer and rather than watching the client and keeping an eye on the client all they're doing is posing in front of the mirror and flexing or looking at girls basically at the same time that they're training their client and it's like that, that is not only intimidating potentially it's just fucking disgusting and ridiculous if someone's paying you money i mean i don't understand that sort of mindset because in any way shape or form how does that look good to the client who's paying your wages yeah this feels kind of very anti-male 
But I, I get your point because... I've only ever seen male personal trainers do it. I don't ever see female personal trainers doing that. What and they're I find, young as well, normally. Well, most personal trainers tend to be young. You yeah. don't find them lasting into their kind of 50s and that. But with the females, it's normally just trying to get... Sticking their female clients and that on bum training. Yeah, so what basically. I noticed with the female PTs... Yeah. Some are really good and some are just terrible and don't know mm. anything... But with the guys, what I noticed was, I know Mark on a previous episode mentioned Pure Gym. He yeah. saw a lot of PTs that just looked like they'd just done their qualification, yeah. got a job in the gym, and they were just winging it. Yeah. And that's how I felt when I started at Fitness First. Right. Because I'd just done my qualification, got thrown in at the deep end, i.e. paying a lot of rent or working yeah, of to pay the rent. And at that point, you don't have the option of taking a sabbatical going to a muay thai camp in thailand <laughs> and you know learning from goku you do have to just learn on the job yeah but because it's so easy to get but this is where mark's right because it's so easy to get qualified mm. it's very difficult to know if those people are gonna continue learning care about their clients or they are just sort of winging it doing it as a job because they want more free time or something like that and because it's quite a social thing yeah it's not like a nightclub but the sort of guys that work as like nightclub reps mm. they they could well be PTing on the it's side the day it's, job. it's kind of the same and then you're a bankster on the evening yeah it's kind of the same <laughs> sort of because you can think of strength and gym yeah but you can also think of the sort of sculpting narcissism yeah. it's kind of all the same thing mm. and in a commercial gym like it's not like a heavy powerlifting gym, is it? So you're no. going to get those sort of guys. Yeah. So you talk about the narcissism and everything like that. What is it that you're currently training towards? Because you joked about kind of looking good naked and from a longevity perspective, older age. You're not competing in any sort of sports or anything like that, are you? No. Is, have you ever had an interest in doing anything like that or not really? Because you said, obviously, you've been fairly athletic when you were younger at uni yeah. and stuff. Um, so I've never, I've, I've never contemplated any sort of strength sport. Right. Because even though I'd have the most to gain, because yeah. it's a sort of a, a gap from like where I was. Yeah. I just don't enjoy the sort of injury risk, the rep ranges, mm. the the specialist things you need to do. Right. Like, for example, like squatting in our gym is a bit of a joke because the floor <laughs> kind of feels like a trampoline, not a lifting yeah. platform, that sort of thing. I only just recently got straps as well. And I'm, right. like, and I'm 30, so, you know, yeah. I'm lifting 12 years and I finally caved in and bought straps. <laughs> it's a game changer. It is a game changer. And you're doing your pendulum rows now. Did you ever do them at uni? Um... I probably didn't even do a barbell row. <laughs> oh, be God. Lap, pull down, and that's it. <laughs> oh, no. No, that's bad. Yeah, and I've got to say, when I was at Fitness First, every guy there, it was bodybuilding. Yeah. It was like posing rooms. They had coaches. Some of them were competing, taking steroids. Yeah. So that's kind of the where I come from. Yeah. Which is sort of different to some other people where they come from, mm. fitness-wise. 
So what actually gets you going to the gym? Because for a lot of people, the struggle is actually getting off their ass or going from home or going after a job to actually physically go there. I mean, the benefit for you and me is that we work here, so we have to come here anyway. Yeah. But what was it that used to get you actually out the door and going there? Was it some kind of craving or need to, for progression or to accomplish something? Or was it the adrenaline or was it just low self-esteem issues? What? Probably mainly body dysmorphia. Right. Probably mainly. But then if you are small and you want to get big, go into the gym to get big. I mean, they could, you could do worse things. You yeah. could just sit at home and contemplate it. Yeah. So it's a good action step to do. Yeah. Over time, you should hopefully get success, maybe hire a coach and then change your goals. Mm. But yeah, initially at least, a bit of fat shaming, a bit of body dysmorphia can be good. So what would your definition of body dysmorphia be? So if people aren't familiar with that, what would you say that that is or involves? It's so when you think about yourself or you see your reflection, you just wish you were like different. And it can be bad if you're looking at your skin color or, you know, your facial features or something. But if it's to do with your general size, that's not so bad, especially if you should be heavier or you should be lighter because that is your conscience telling you like we need to move right we need to do something and it's sort of getting you out of your comfort zone so it it's every elite bodybuilder has body dysmorphia where they think they look like a twig and obviously that's got way out of hand but so like it's not even just out of shape people even pro athletes have this models so with body dysmorphia, this is a modern, it's just something that you hear more and more about and it's something that tends to get taken more and more seriously. Uh, but the idea or the concept with body dysmorphia is when someone has some sort of obsession with parts of themselves physically that they think are hideous and terrible but that no one else even notices, usually. Yeah. So when you think about someone with body dysmorphia, someone that is severely overweight and are worried about people looking at them and judging them that would not technically be i wouldn't class that as body dysmorphia because body dysmorphia is normally something that revolves around it being something that someone else doesn't notice so if yeah. for example you think well i really dislike or i hate the fact that i have a hideous nose or something like that and you think that someone over the other side of the room two people that are laughing what are they laughing at? Is it a joke? No, it must be my hideous nose. That's what body dysmorphia kind yeah. of does. Um, it's nowadays because we're getting into kind of like the, uh, what is it? Um, be proud of who you are, whoever you are, whatever you are. Swing the other way, isn't it? Well, I mean, it's a very difficult conversation for a lot of people to have nowadays because there's health and what's considered health from a medical perspective. But then there's also what you feel comfortable with so yeah, you can health. either feel comfortable with yourself when you're unhealthy and say i'm healthy at any size yeah or you know any condition um or you could end up and you can lie about that because you could potentially not be feeling that on the inside i mean it's one of those things is really difficult body dysmorphia is a fascinating thing to navigate and something that everyone 
you know, I think fitness will come in to meet people that have various different, you know, forms of body dysmorphia and severity and stuff like it's that. It's kind of like all these transformation packages, a yeah. lot of that's based on. So would you still say you've got body dysmorphia or not? No, no, I wouldn't say I've got it now. Um, I think as I got older, I did fill out. Right. So bit. was it at its height, it was basically what you'd probably class as um situational so it's the fact that you want to be a certain thing or you want to look a certain way in that you end up getting there and then you feel like actually yeah that's okay i think when i was younger because i was quite social i went out a lot i drank a lot yeah when you're so social is there's kind of this ego with it right where you like yeah, you don't want people to like you know laugh at you or whatever. Mm. Or, or and as a guy, you kind of don't want to be in a situation where you're like you know getting held down by somebody getting punched, yeah. and you can't really do anything about it. Right. So I have a memory of being about eighteen in a pub, right. and I went to the toilet, and this sort of guy. He wasn't huge, but he was obviously a lot bigger than me. Yeah, he kind of like pushed me up against the wall and said, "I need to start going to the gym." Right. And okay. that wasn't the start of it, but that was just the sort of thing like in my town you'd get. Yeah. And then I remember five years later, I got bigger and I bumped into him again. And then he looked at me and he goes, well, you think you're so big, huh? Because I was a bit oh, bigger then. Okay. So it's like, it didn't really matter because some, if they want to fight, yeah. they're just going to say anything anyway. That's really interesting. So if you put your, try and put your mindset into that guy's. So do you think that he's done that to be a prick? Do you think that he thinks that he's actually doing the right thing by pushing you up against the wall and telling you to, you know get a bit stronger so that this doesn't happen to you again what do you think it is because obviously you've taken it as a i think there might be like actual advice here but that probably wasn't what he meant no it was it wasn't some like master plan this was just some like squaddy drunk dude in my town right just you know he saw me i was skinny and he just Mm -hmm. sort of pushed me but it's like it doesn't matter the intent is like how you take it yeah you know so in terms of like bodybuilding and stuff like that because you've said about you know professional fitness models and stuff like that that they have body dysmorphia and things like that and it seems like for them that they're at the peak aren't they they're literally like the ones with all of the instagram followers the ones with the bigger paychecks they're the ones that everyone looks up to and yet they themselves kind of still feel shitty about the way they look um for you obviously things have changed so what advice would you give to someone else that probably feels like they have body dysmorphia or something like that? Is there any advice you can give, given that you've kind of come out the other side, I suppose, in yeah. a way? Yeah, I'd say if they were, like, really young, mm. I'd say, like, you're so young, you've not finished develop- developing, don't even judge yourself. Yeah. If it's somebody who they're kind of, maybe they're hitting sort of 19, 20. Yeah. And... I would kind of treat it like I'm a doctor, so I'm almost taking the feelings out of it, and I would sort of just look at it physically and see, like, you know, what they need to do. Because if if there's a guy, he's sort of average height and he weighs 300 pounds, there's no way, I wouldn't even ask, like, about his mental state. It's like, let's say, and he wanted me to coach him. I'd be like, right, we need the the fastest, but the most fun and... Mm the way we can make him shed a bunch of weight and learn things he likes doing because that's what he needs. Yeah. So I would base it physically. If there's a guy who's 
he looks like a matchbox and he's in his late 20s yeah then I'd be looking at him like you know we need to get this guy big yeah but let's say he doesn't like the gym we need to do it in a fun way so there's external pressure and stuff for anyone really you know because we live in a society we're around other people humans and that and you know and instagram and then there's obviously social media pressures and various other things like that but what would you kind of class as like the situation that we're in nowadays whereby you would draw a definitive line between someone that is clearly unhealthy and potentially should end up working on themselves and that those thoughts in their minds and other people that are saying you know you need to eat a little bit more or you need to not eat as much you know where is the definitive line is there a way of you know putting together something like that because we could probably agree that being morbidly obese or being anorexic is one of those things that from a medical perspective that would be a very clear line now, there will be people on both fronts that would say, no, 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 morbid obesity is healthy and I'm happy and stuff like that. But yeah. generally, uh, at the moment, overall as a society and from a medical perspective, you can kind of see that as a, no, that's probably not such a good idea. And yeah. you can empathize, empathize with someone that would be morbidly obese potentially by, you know, if they're really upset with the way they're treated and stuff like that. And you could see it as a goal or as a way of trying to help them okay, it might be great to get you to lose some weight and stuff like that, feel more confident. But with some of the other stuff, it's really, really difficult. So how do we deal with that? <laughs> so I, I think on a personal level, what I don't do, I don't feed the movement, like right. the social movement of celebrating obesity, for example. Right. I don't feed that personally because it would be disingenuous to my profession and my right. actual views. Yeah. And But obviously you don't just... I mean, if it's, your, if it's your friend or your brother, maybe you'd make jokes to them about stuff. Yeah. If that's your personality and that's your relationship, you don't really do that with people. Yeah. Unless you know them really well. So, yeah, it's difficult because on a, almost on like a spiritual level, I do kind of believe if people don't want to change, mm. it's kind of like they say you can't throw somebody in rehab. They no, I mean, it's their life, isn't it, I suppose. Yeah. But at the same time, if you're there cutting yourself or there are padded cells for a reason, yeah. you know, so when it comes to mental health and stuff like that, then, yeah, if you're a harm to yourself or harm to other people, then someone is going to intervene at some point. But it's how you draw that line. It's difficult, isn't it? I also think in Western society today, when it comes to extreme mental health problems, what doctors and pharmaceutical companies do is sort of develop a pill mm. that's addictive, will alleviate your symptoms and just park you on that. Yeah. Be it antidepressants, anti-psych medication, all these sort of things. They've even just come out with an anti-obesity drug, yeah. which they're going to inject, inject, the FDA have approved it, into all obese Americans weekly and is mm. in some way going to do something to help. Right. So I think... I think culturally we need to like it's it's more it's harder in England because I heard someone say the other week Australians are in good shape because it's so hot they all live on the beach but there's a a culture yeah isn't there? and over here it's like it's dark it's yeah. rainy most Gotta of the year got to take the vitamin D tablets <laughs> yeah we also well no one does including <laughs> me but yeah we also just have a just the 
most unhealthy food like you go into any shop yeah. and it's just rows of crisps and beer and chocolate and there's there is food that you deem healthy yeah a it's probably covered in chemicals and b, well, it's processed stuff isn't and it to people that have grown up eating all this yeah pizza fingers and sausage rolls like the thought of just eating sa- grilled salmon and salads and shakes and these sort it's like they would rather die than do that yeah so in, until we can sort out the food we eat mm. uh, we need to get children playing more sport i think a lot of kids are sat in religion lessons and mm. these sort of things and all they want to do is be outside playing football yeah so especially but they boys. don't they want to be on their phones on the tiktok and all of that don't oh, they? Yeah, that's doing, what they do doing the dances now on tiktok yeah whatever it is that they do yeah okay so we were talked about pharmaceuticals, we've talked about pills, we've talked about body dysmorphia. So there's this new thing that kind of is entering into the vocabulary of younger people that I'm meeting, which, and I've done a little bit of Googling, but it's, it just seems like one of these social media things, but it's all very much interwoven with a lot of self-esteem and projection and trying to understand how other people view them and there's these two pills that i've heard of there's this thing called the red pill Mm. and there's this thing also called the black pill which i find interesting because from the the matrix movies from what i remember there was a red pill and a blue pill yeah the red pill is that wake up and listen Mm. and the blue pill is the carry on in your sleepy simulation type thing great movie but this idea is a really really great yeah trilogy um so the idea with red pillin and black pillin, something like that, all seems to come from people's perceptions of themselves being warped by some sort of community or people that are. Okay, so we're out of time. If you want to listen to the extended edition of this episode where the fabulous Baker Boy talks about some webcam girl he trained, then you're going to have to join the Bristol and Bath Lifting Club Patreon. So why don't you go over there right now for all of the juicy goodness?